It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from a bathroom floor here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Felisco. And back for the third time, the fourth time, I'm not sure. Back, Tom Lorenzo from the You're Missing Out podcast, our, our brother podcast. Uh, it's great to have you back on. It's great to be back. I'm back and uh, better than ever. Back and more corrupt than ever. The, the most oh, yeah, corrupt. Maybe. The most corrupt. Tom, uh, Tom, you've, you've been doing a lot of tweeting recently about uh, this mosh pit you've gotten into. 
And the punch yes. in the face you received, tell us a little about that before we get tell into the corruptor. Tell, well, because, yeah, I mean, yeah. we got so much to talk about with the corruptor. What's no, in the uh, news? Yeah. What's in the No, I just went to a, uh, there's a bar I go to, that the punk bar that with karaoke that you said you uh, wanted to, to come I immediately out said I can't wait to hang out with you. <laughs> uh, so I went there one day and it was kind of dead and I know the bouncer. I kind of bounce with him when I'm there. There's a story from yesterday that I that I had to help him bounce something. Um, he's like, there's an emo night at another bar. I went. Big crowd, crazy. The mosh was, there was a pit going. I jumped in, but I noticed all the guys were getting a little too hectic and there was just like this section of like, just women that were like getting fucking hammered by these guys going too hard. So I just stepped in and I just kept grabbing them and throwing these guys back into the pit and preventing all of these fucking girls from getting leveled by these, uh, let's say rotund white boys from Long Island. (laughs) Some Woodstock 99 denizens. (laughs) Some rotundos. Yeah. I watched the Woodstock 99 doc and I was like, Oh, I was there last week. Yeah. Yeah. You guys doing that, by the way? I forgot to yeah. ask. On we're going to cover, we're gonna cover 99, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, Woodstock 99. Uh, you know, speaking of, of problematic things, um, this film's pretty problematic. Uh, I, why, is I, I, why is there a central star that's uh, got issues with the Asian-American community? Yeah, uh, yeah. I... <sighs> This so I really didn't know much about this movie. Kenny just hit his face. Uh, I, yeah. I didn't know much about this movie when I hit play. Like I knew who was in it, yeah. And I think in my brain I kind of blurred it with the Replacement Killers, which was the first yeah. Chow Yun Fat movie that came out stateside. Yeah, that was, um, the yeah, me too. The superior film to this, yeah. and, and I and I don't even really think Replacement Killers is all that good, but no. <laughs> but. I had no idea how, um, I guess, entrenched this movie is in Asian culture and yeah. a misrepresentation of it. Um, yeah, it's 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 a crazy, crazy movie. Uh, a, a real moment in time. This movie would never, ever get made today. Not by the people that made it, anyway. Not by the people that made it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy's too busy making a... Fifty Shades sequels to get back to such high art like this the current poor this guy, poor guy. Yeah, um, I mean, shit. The guy made Glengarry Glenn Ross, one of my favorite I know. movies. But I think the problem is like it's not. This is the big. I think the main issue with this movie as a whole yeah. is that he's he's like a good working workman director. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this isn't. This movie's taken kind of a big swing tonally. Oh, yeah. that you need someone to either hone in on one tone. Mm-hmm. Or a director that can handle the crazy shifting thing that's going on with this movie because it's like well, it's it's clearly I mean obviously stylistically there's a lot of ripping off of John Woo to some degree or another I mean it, just in terms of sort oh, yeah. of this very uh, overly active camera let's just say and even uh, the action yeah. that they they do the two yeah. guns thing they do a yes. lot of jumping across rooms and stuff uh, yes. they they just they just don't cross the line and say, all right, we're not going to do doves. We'll keep the doves. <laughs> we'll keep no the doves, doves away. Yeah. That's like the plagiarism lines, like just plagiarized enough that you can't sue. But um, the do- the, yeah, this ahead, movie sorry. needed the doves. I agree. But, I agree. Right? Yeah, I, like that's the thing that I would always take from, from woo is, is the doves and everything they represent. Right. Because then you're, you're out of this 
this garbage water world that we're like kind of drowning in throughout this movie and you're brought to some other plane of existence where this all kind of makes a little more sense but uh as there there is this we you know we talk about the uncanny valley all the time in terms of um uh, you know cgi and stuff like that (laughs) but there's an uncanny valley in this movie in terms of what am i supposed to believe is going on here yeah so i mean here's it's it's that thing i was it's 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 on one hand, it's trying to be John Wu, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's like trying to be like the French Connection or something, like a gritty. Well, cop the Departed movie. is what really hit me. I was watching yes, it. Definitely too. the Departed, yeah. Where yeah. I was just like, it's it's so convoluted in its story, like the plot. Just of this like movie the Departed. That, just I know, like the Departed. Like- <laughs> no, but truly, I like it. There's so much double crossing and people that are you know doing shady things that you're so lost i was so lost by the end of like who has an allegiance with anybody at this point it was a little yeah i mean i'll give them i think it was a good moment when you find out that Wahlberg is an informant because i i really wasn't expecting that because yeah, I didn't know anything about this movie, so I didn't know what to expect. Like I didn't have any preconceived like, oh okay. I thought it was going to be a bit of a training. It was this is kind of training day. Yes, it was a this lovely is, training day. This is proto training day. Two years before yeah. that came out, and, and Ethan Hawke was, like, was oh. supposed to star in this too. He was supposed to be the Mark Wahlberg lead, and then the scheduling got fucked up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is absolutely the big anchor on this movie. I mean, second to the director, not to like really like assault James Foley or anything. Yeah. Like, like I said, I like I love Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah, Fear's good. pretty good, but like yeah. Warburg is not the guy. No, you you get to play the innocent, doe-eyed cop with dorky the cop. issues. They put, yeah, they put glasses on him at, yeah. the, at the beginning, every, and you're just every like, Come time on you now. put Warburg in glasses. <laughs> You're making a mistake, or you're doing like, or it's like Transformers Four, where Michael right. Bay is doing it you're as the fun. joke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before Wahlberg really figured out who he is and who he can be. Yeah, but yeah. The, all right. So the obvious Chayun Fat, as he's dying, says, "Who sends a white cop under <laughs> undercover in an Asian community?" And that seems, which isn't supposed to be funny, but it's it's funny. It, it's that's that's <laughs> all right. So that's that's there you go. You know, you know what the problem is. So now you guys know how to fix it. Right. Um, if, if obviously the fix, this is a, this is a significantly more interesting movie. It, it's so obvious. It's Donnie Brasco. If it was an Asian cop, it's so obvious. Like where, where you can start with this film. So the fact that you know, I, I understand, you know, for racism reasons why they went with the white cop. Um, for you know the the ideas of not wanting to have two action star two two uh, Asian action stars uh, mm-hmm. starring in an American movie, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the movie's doomed from the start. It didn't do yeah. well. No one wanted to see it. No one cared about these two guys together. Um, no one really knew what to do with Wahlberg at this point. Nope. And, and it was uh, it was just a kind of a, a miserable experience in a lot of ways. Yeah, because this is what uh, this this is the same year as Three Kings, right? Three Kings is yes. this is the same year as yes. Three Kings. I'm, I'm pulling up his filmography right now, We're, just so we and can nobody it, yeah. nobody gets Wahlberg better than David O. Russell. Agreed. Um, well, because so, it's like his career at this point, he's got like three pretty big highs of Boogie Nights, Fear, and Three Kings in 99. 
Mm-hmm. But then he's also got shit like this, and he's the in the replacement hit. killers, right? Or no, the he's big, in the big hit, hit is not shit. The big hit is good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when we did Three Kings, Kenny fought for big hit. We talk so. about the the big hit comes up every once in a while. Like the big hit is fun and silly, and like it be, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's almost like a spoof. This is dead. This is dead yeah. serious. This movie, well, but also it's, sometimes it's, not. Sometimes it's interesting not. though. Like he, Brian Ch- Cox Ch- doesn't think it's serious. This is true. Tom, you make a good point. Like he's got fear. He's got Boogie Nights. The big hit was, by the way, a successful movie. The Corrupter, Three Kings are both in '99, and then he he does the Perfect Storm in 2000, right? And and this yeah. is when like him and his agents are like, we have a movie star, and he gets over his skis. He does Planet of the Apes. He does Rockstar. He does Truth About Charlie, and that's kind of when like. What a it looks like the triple wheels, feature. Where, where the wheels are just coming off the wagon, right? Then he does yeah. Italian Job, which gets him back on, you know, and, and sort of then it's Four Brothers and Invincible Departed. Like, then he's figured himself out. But there's this moment there, to, to your point, Kenny, about like this movie not understanding Wahlberg. Hollywood, and I would argue Wahlberg, doesn't really understand Wahlberg for a little while there, for like the better part of three years. Five. I mean, he's yeah. he's we're back in... They don't know what to do with Wahlberg mode. I mean, it's been a few years since I've liked him in anything. And I like yeah. Wahlberg, like as an actor, you know, like there's mo- when he's on, like in Boogie Nights and Three Kings and, you know, The, uh, yep. the Departed, Huckabees. you know, Huckabees. Huckabees. Yeah. I mean, yep. when he's when he's being used right, I like I really like him. But seeing him like just floundering and shit like infinite and, you know, it's <laughs> just like infinite. But yeah. It's it's well, just it's disappointing. What was the last? You know? I mean, I liked the 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 uh, double feature that he did in 2016. Uh, the two Pete Berg movies, Deepwater Horizon and Patriots Day. You I did? actually like those movies. I thought those were really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought those movies worked. Yeah, those are good. Um, but, but that's the last but time again, he's been to, good. Yeah. But to your point, like with not knowing Wahlberg, he's the worst thing in Patriots Day. He's yes. good in Deepwater Horizon, but yeah. he's the only one in Patriots Day. We like, oh, he's an actor. Like it, yeah. this feels like a docudrama thing, and then it's just him. Just yeah. like, why is he even here? Yes, yeah, honestly, that's yeah. I'm looking too. That's literally the last time he's Kenny. We talked a little bit him. about Wahlberg on Three Kings, but I don't know if we honed in on this question. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on it. Is there an actor that you can think of that is? Whose lane is 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 maybe so specific and yet so lucrative? Like I, he, he's there's not a ton of range to Mark Wahlberg, and I'm not going to sit here and just rag on him. But do you know sort of what I'm getting at? Like the, well, it's very narrow. I, I look, I disagree with you, okay. I, but but I don't disagree with you. I don't just disagree with your point about not a lot of range. I don't think there is a lot of range. I agree with that, but I yeah. think his character is very adaptable. Yes. So to yes. a lot of different genres, right? Like I think that he was the perfect guy for Ted. I think he's yes. really good in um in Instant Family, which I watched with my kids, which makes no sense, but he works there. He works in Daddy's Home um really well. The other guys, and sure. He, the other guys he works really yeah. well. Payton and Gain, he works really well. And again, he's not he's he's not too far outside of his, you know, his guardrails. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the times he's gone outside of the guardrails, yeah. I think he's been really good. Like, <laughs> I Heart Huckabees yeah. is one of his best performances. And I think, uh, 
I, you know, I, I think you know that the part is one of my three least favorite movies. You love, but the even yeah. after coming out of that movie, I said Wahlberg was the only part that I thought was any good. So I That's loved him in that movie as well. Um, you know, I think every few years, maybe every two years, every three years, if I'm looking at his, his filmography, his agents or maybe his manager, who I know very well, um, might say, uh, Let's see if we can get Wahlberg that Oscar. He's been nominated twice, which is insane. Sure. So he does movies like The Gamble, which was a which disaster. Is coming out this year. Yeah. yeah, and then All yeah. the Money in the World was 17, and then Joe Bell is this year. And, yeah. you know, like, for whatever reason, um, Hollywood seems to be pro-Wahlberg, right? Like <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason. For whatever, but more yeah. than even most people. You, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Like, totally. more than even most people, like, they... It's crazy that a guy like Mark Wahlberg uh, could ever be in Oscar conversations after all the weird yeah. shit he's done and all the bad stuff he's done. And Joe Bell, like, is very clearly, you know, I, it sounds like it's not the movie yeah. that people hoped it would be, but it also sounds like people are like, but Wahlberg's the right guy for it. You know? I, I think yeah. his big problem is when he tries to be cool. Like, but like the big, the big failures are when he's trying to be cool, stoic action yeah. guy or like I'm a tough, like badass and he doesn't have like a moat or anything, but then you should, but when he's earnest or when he's playing a guy who's dumb or a guy who doesn't realize he's dumb, like in pain and gain. Yeah. Great. He's great. Like, that, that, like, that, like the thing that's his best lane. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I th- I was thinking about watching this movie is I'm genuinely surprised he was never in a Coen Brothers movie or like a like an Elmore yeah. Leonard movie about yeah. these guys that always think they're smarter than they are yeah. but in the end they they're just the biggest fucking idiots in the world who got in too deep. He would well, have been perfect and, in like a in like an out of sight or something like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he would have been great. And like yeah. if Steve if Steve Zahn wasn't was if Steve Zahn was busy, he could have been that guy. Totally, he, or totally. if they didn't, or if they like rewrote it to be the Boston mob, he could have been Don Cheadle's role, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, that's, it's interesting because that was his early career. That's who he is in Boogie Nights and that's yeah. who he is in Three Kings. And those are the two yeah. best directors he's ever worked with. And those are, you know, two of our better directors anyway. And uh, they really seem to understand that, that lane you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, the, the it's why he's about, nowhere in this movie. It's why but I'll this say movie the, is like. Yeah. I'll say the other thing. I mean, the other yeah. good director he's worked with, I guess, is Martin Scorsese. And the uh, the other thing about him and The Departed is that is the only time when I buy him as right. an in control alpha. And part of that is because he's playing it so big. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not because yep. it's not so much about being cool. It act. It's more about being right and smart and half a step ahead. And in the right movie and in the right role, he can pull that off. What he's not, and I think we're kind of hitting this. Yep. He's he's really uh, he's not who he looks like, right? Yeah. He's not he's not the the football team captain. Yeah. Um, and that's that that'll never work. But like you know, who is? Yeah, uh, you he, know, he, it's. He, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, I was just going to, yeah, he's basically kind of trapped in a leading man's body, but he's best as like a character guy. 
Yeah. You know, just supporting being a, a doof. Once when his voice is when his voice rises and he's like he doesn't understand the question or something, it's just like, yeah, that's great. Like watching Ted. Ted was on TV the other day, and I'm like, it's like yeah, he's like giving a legitimately great comedic performance in this, opposite a fucking talking teddy bear. Like that's not an easy thing to do. I would say though, it can break the other way too. You know, you yeah. can see the happening, for instance, where he spends that entire film in a higher register, and it does not. And he's supposed work. to be. He's supposed to be smart, and that's, no, that's know, a straight roll. That was yeah. that was a big mistake. <laughs> a yeah. big mistake. Yeah, um, but but mistake. yeah, this is also just. I think that this movie just falls early in his career when he's you know he. They, they just kind of slot him in there. I'm going to give a synopsis real quick. Martial arts expert, Detective Nick Chen, played by Chow Yun-Fat, teams up with his colleague Danny Wallace, played by Mark Wahlberg, to keep several gangs in New York City's Chinatown from annihilating each other. They must contend not only with the increasingly power-hungry gangsters, but also with the temptation of bribery and corruption as the bad guys divide and conquer the police forces. In what's beginning to seem like a losing battle, Chen and Wallace struggle to establish law and prevent more bloodshed. The Corruptor opened on March 12th, 1999, in fourth place against Analyze This, Cruel Intentions, The Rage, Carry 2, and Wing Commander. Uh, it would go on to make $24.5 million on a $25 million budget. It's got 48% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 43 from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film one and a half stars, said even when it's transplanted to the streets of New York's Chinatown as the corruptor is, the Hong Kong action genre has certainly obligatory requirements. Low angle shots of bad guys looming over the camera, for example, and the sound of a metallic whoosh when there's a quick cut from one scene to the next and what seems like more dialogue during action scenes than before and after them. The director is James Foley, who's obviously not right for this material. It's a shame, actually, that he's even working in the genre since his gift with the intense study of human behavior and his best films include Glenn Carey, Glenn Ross, At Close Range, and After Dark, My Sweet, John Woo, who might have brought more crackling energy to this material, especially if he nicks the casting of Wahlberg, would have been right, wouldn't have been right for Glenn Carey. So there you are. Uh, this is... Um, I mean, we've been doing this now, Kenny, for you know almost four years. This is the shortest Ebert review I think I've seen thus far. I think it's three paragraphs, maybe four. Yeah. Like he's just like, I'm not wasting my fucking time writing this. Like, why even bother? You know what? I I think if Wu directed this, he might have gotten something out of Wahlberg. Maybe. Yeah, because he would he would he would have overheated this movie. Like that's Wu's thing is cranking <laughs> yeah. everything to eleven. Yeah. And I think he could have got something out of Wahlberg because I mean shit, he did it with Slater in Broken Arrow. It's uh, true. He, it's true. I mean, he he got some he got he pushed Tom Cruise to the limit in Mission Impossible 2. Like there's <laughs> moments in Mission Impossible 2 where you could see Tom Cruise struggling to keep up with the melodrama of the scenes. <laughs> It's so it's the funniest shit in the world. Where Tom Cruise is like, I don't, I'm, I'm drowning in this movie. <laughs> um, I, and I love Mission that, Impossible too. But I was it's just so gonna funny. say that's why I'm a little. I mean, I've I've always been confused <laughs> why the Mission Impossible heads, yes. who I hate. Well, you Talk hate the about, series. I yeah. hate the series, but I think two is like underrated. It like, is and, underrated. And I think part of that is for me, I guess I want something different out of my action movies sure. than uh, all these people on Twitter who just want Tom Cruise to nearly die, which is what I, I can't really tell what else they want out of these films. They just, I think they just well, want Tom Cruise to almost die. Well, I think well, that just I, I, th I think the reason people don't like Mission Impossible Two for what it's worth is all the reasons why you guys probably like it, which is that it doesn't. It's not really a spy movie, right? Like it's it's just not. It's, it's a Hitchcock it's, movie. 
I mean, yeah, it's that's a Hitchcock what, movie. It's a straight up action movie. Like it, it's just this kind of, and you know, you know and coming after a De Palma movie, you know, like right. so many people kind of get their fucking hackles up over De Palma, and it's like, oh, and you know, it's that thing of the series isn't the series yet. So yeah, like yeah. this second one's such a one eighty from the first one, and everyone's like, what the fuck is the series even? Right. Um, but nobody makes movies like John Woo. I mean, he basically made To Catch a Thief with Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton. And just crank the fucking melodrama up, and just right. the double, just the two guns, and just Ugh, you know, motorcycles I, flying at each other. It's, it's glorious. I the think dumbest shit in the world, yeah. and I love it. I think that's what I'm getting at too, yeah. which is like in general, action movies. The action movies as a genre are absurd. Yep. And I've said this to you that like what makes an action movie, Phil? It's if if it's the kind of thing that would be reported in the news if it happened in real life. It's a it's an action movie, right? And otherwise, it's it's a it's a drama. So yep. like you know, and in this movie, for I don't really know what's going on in this movie that would be reported in the news, but like it's kind of irrelevant. The point is, you're already so far past the realm of believability. I've always liked making it more, making it everything, using yeah. everything at your disposal. And that's probably why the movies that bore the shit out of me more than anything are like the Bourne movies, bore me to fucking tears. Fair and enough. the Mission Mission Impossible after two bore me to fucking tears. Like they're just so terrestrial. Um, not in terms of like literally terrestrial, but just in terms of, you know, everything kind of fits together in a way where like, this is actually how things work with international espionage. Ugh, I couldn't care fucking less. Give me taken, you know? Okay. Well, I mean, be, be that as it may, I, I, I do think that, I mean, I, I, if you don't like spy movies, you don't like spy movies, right? Like, if you don't like espionage movies, you don't like espionage movies. And and whether or not they have Tom Cruise jumping out of a plane or, you know, what have you is 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 moved, I, ultimately. I don't mind spy movies about spies. I do mind something that – I do mind action movies – like, spy action movies that are undergirded in, spy, in, in the spy genre – which what I'm trying to get at is like pick a lane, right? Spy espionage is not about kicking ass all the time. Like I love the I love the Americans, right? And the Americans is you know a I mean six season spy not, movie. It's not even about kicking ass. I mean John Le Carre stuff is what real. That's spy what I'm getting at. Is. That's I mean, what I'm getting at, right? I like I I because you know I love heist and I love and I and I I, I love the intricacies of of, of process. But and when you get into this Jason, yeah. yeah, this Jason Bourne human weapon thing, you better have a lot more fucking fun with it at that point, uh, right? Well, listen, I I like the Jason Bourne movies, but I don't. I haven't rewatched them. I think those are going to kind of age like shit. To be honest, I mean, what they did to action cinema with the shaky cam stuff is is enough to send it to the fucking Hague. But um. <laughs> I don't. I don't disagree. Uh, I, I guess my my point ultimately would be that I don't know that it that it needs to be this binary. I think that a good spy movie can have action, and I think a good spy movie doesn't well, necessarily need to. Co- have action. Of course, well, you're my, right. I just haven't. Well, seen my 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 platonic ideal of the action spy movie is Casino Royale. 
Great sure it was. Great movie. It, was, it has that tactile. It feels like the Fleming books, where it feels like right. okay, this guy knows what spycraft is, but he's mm-hmm. juicing it a little bit yeah. to give you like, well, you're at a movie, like we're gonna watch a movie, like you're not gonna. Most spies aren't getting into machete fights with African warlords with Eva Green next to them, but you, you, you give it enough realism, you get enough of the the spycraft, then you got then you're cooking with gas. But sure, yeah. the corrupter. I want to. I want to just for a second, and I texted this to you, Kenny, uh, yesterday as I was watching the corrupter because I, I, you know, periodically I look at the studios that make a movie and look at their output for the year. We've talked a fair amount about mm-hmm. MTV films. We've talked a little bit about Fox Two Thousand, uh, New Line Cinema's nineteen ninety nine output was Blast from the Past, The Corrupter, Austin Powers, Spy Who Shagged Me, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Detroit Rock City, The Astronaut's Wife, The Bachelor, and Magnolia. That is a very strange batch of movies. It's a good year. Um, That's a pretty good year. No, that is a pretty good year, to be honest. And in 99, they're starting on filming Lord of the Rings. They are, exactly. I I, I guess my, I mean, the, the, the the lows are very low. The highs are very high. I guess is what I'm getting at from this this output. Like, just, Kenny and I can I think we can safely say Detroit Rock City, Astronaut's Wife, and The Bachelor are three of the worst films we've covered in 1999. Yes, terrible films. <laughs> so I, I don't and and I, I mean the Corrupter is not that far ahead of them. I would I would assume, um, but you know. You look at Magnolia and Dropped It Gorgeous and even Blast from the Past to a certain degree, and those are swings. And I respect the hell out of them getting behind them. And obviously, we're big fans of Magnolia and Dropped It Gorgeous and Blast from the Past on this pod. But I guess I'm just trying to get at New Line Cinema is a fascinating beast as a yeah. company. They've made some of my favorite films, um, but they also make trash. <laughs> like it's It's kind of amazing, their spectrum. Yeah, I mean, because... This is when they're, they're starting to shift. I mean, the fact that they're starting filming new uh, Lord of the Rings at this mm-hmm. point is they're starting to make their big push. Because, I mean, they were, they've were they always still, they're referred to as the house that Freddy built. I mean, they're the guys that mm-hmm. they made Freddy Krueger. That was their first big thing. Before that, really, Robert Shea was like, he was a distributor. He was just picking up movies and literally throwing the film cans in his trunk and just driving around New York, delivering them to theaters. It's you awesome. know, and then he, he he hooks up with Craven, makes Nightmare, and from there they're making shit, and they're make and they're an ostensibly B movie fi- uh, outfit, and a lot of them are great. I mean, shit, one of their B movies just got inducted into the Criterion Collection. Deep Cover is in there, and Deep Cover is a great fucking movie. Uh, so I watched what, it the what, other day, and I I missed the New Line look of the '90s. There was a look of New Line movies. And I'm totally. just like, man, I miss that. I miss that. Well, that was – so you you know more about this than I do. They started in sort of the horror genre. Is that kind of – in the kind yeah. of like B-schlocky kind of movie? Yeah, because Nightmare that- was actually the first thing – there might be one thing. Maybe I'm misremembering. But like ostensibly the first thing they produced and didn't just distribute was Nightmare on Elm Street because Wes Craven. It's like, well, hey, you know, you got just- a new idea? Yeah, great. Let's make it. Just looking at it now, what's interesting yeah. is they did some stuff before it. One is Alone in the Dark, which is, you mm-hmm. know, kind of in this genre. Another one is Polyester, which I'm sure you guys are aware of. John, John Water. Waters with yeah. the Odorama. Yeah. And it seems to me that their, their modus operandi, at least in the beginning, was doing the shit the other guys wouldn't. Yep. Um, Evil they, Dead's another one, yeah. 
Yeah, they took a lot of they took a lot of lumps because of it, and then they had up some really huge hits because of it. Um, and I love this strategy in general. I think this is, <laughs> I think I think this is the way to go about building a company and just taking these. You know, there are there are the wild swings in terms of you know putting a lot of money on one number on the roulette wheel, but then you know these these things that if they fail, if Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fails, like that's such a black mark on your company. That's yeah. such an embarrassment. People might not ever want to work with you again. There, like you, companies have been brought down by things like that all the time. You know. Did so, you see that they released your your one of your favorite films from 1989, Kenny? 1989. Yeah. No Tell holds me. barred, baby. <laughs> there you go. They're going. They're, 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 they're going the other way. I uh, we haven't done that one yet. I'm afraid to. That's a movie I'm very afraid to share with fellas. <laughs> Oh, that is a movie that is going to lead to a great discussion because I will tell you right now, it is aged like shit. <laughs> oh, dude, it was shit when it came out. Like, it's yeah, so a imagine very, how it feels very 32 years movie. later. So yeah. when does, I mean, what would you say? Because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm skimming over their, 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 you know, their, their filmography, I guess, as a company. Is it like Dumb and Dumber was a big hit in 94. I feel like mid 90s is when they start to get, and I don't want to That's, suggest that there's a, a, a illegitimacy to their earlier stuff, but you've got like, you've got seven in there. You've got, you know, the, you've got sort of bona fides that are starting to, to materialize around that time. I, yeah, um, I yeah. I think that's what happens to a lot of these B movie outfits when they start making money is they start reaching for the legitimacy, mm-hmm. and I mean Seven is definitely one of those things. Um, I mean Dumb and Dumber is not a strain for legitimacy. I mean <laughs> it's a great movie, right. but it's not, but yeah, this is this they're starting to push and push, and because uh, uh, the great fucking demon Harvey Weinstein fucked up and didn't right. get the rights to Lord of the Rings, they ended up becoming a, a, a mini major, basically. Right. Because it's like, it feels like Austin Powers and Boogie Nights, both kind of, both in 97. Like, Boogie yeah. Nights, to me, feels like that, that's, the, that's a huge one, right? Like, that's, well, that's when I feel like, one. yeah. Because Austin Powers, like, I, you guys talked about it, I think, about how, like, one. it wasn't even one. that big. Yeah, it wasn't even, th- it wasn't that the big. The first one was no. not that big. No. It was all home video that yeah, saved yeah. that movie. So again, New Line made money off of it because they wouldn't have made a goddamn sequel if they didn't. Right. But it was it, Boogie Nights was yeah definitely a big one. You know, getting all that Oscar play. I mean, they launched Fincher because yeah. uh, the game is New Line also, right? It's Polygram yeah. actually. No, is it? Oh, it's yeah. Well, but what's yeah. interesting too about New Line, not to get too not, not to get too nerdy, but like they were also one of the first companies to like go all in on special features on their DVDs. Like yeah. I felt like they went yeah, yeah. big time on that stuff. Like I remember the Boogie Nights disc was just you know what I mean same with Seven. Like Seven these were these were huge special features things, and I feel like that in the home video market kind of got them. Um, in a space to sort of compete with your criterions and what have you on that level. But all this is to say that like this movie feels kind of like you, I, I can sort of see what they were going for. Like it's pretty clear within the first 10 minutes, like what this movie wants to be, but it's yeah. also clear why it will never get. Well, there. I mean, cause this is that era where it's like, John Woo is in America. And oh man, right. we're getting Chow Young fat. So we're going to start right. John Wooing up action movies. But all, like so many of these action movies don't get the the grace and the bal- the balleticism uh, and yes. like the, the, the rhythm 
and yeah. and the tone and like they just don't get the tone that only John Woo can make fucking face off. Like that's like it's an insane concept, but and then you watch the movie and you're like, am I having a fever dream? Like this is insane, but it works only because this fucking maniac he that's his thing. He's not copying someone. Well, there's a and, musicality to John Woo yeah. as well, and to all the you know what yeah. I mean. Like it is a ballet, yeah. as you yeah. said, and 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 if you think it's just action. You've lost the thread, like because well, he his his movies in Hong Kong were called heroic bloodshed. It was like brothers mm-hmm. bound in blood because it was all about this hyperact this hyper masculine but like emotional brotherhood thing right. where either they're on the same side and they become brothers or like the killer it's like a hitman and a cop and they have to team up and they realize they're friends they're yeah. better friends than anyone on their own team and. That's kind of what this is trying to do, mm-hmm. because in the end, there's the betrayal. But then it's like, well, we actually like each other, and Chalion Fat fucking dies to save Wahlberg, which is yeah. like in a Wu movie that would have been a big like moment. Right. Yeah, right. but it's kind of just like, well, wait, he's dead you, now. You're tapping into something that I think is interesting, which is sort of the theatricality of those films versus this yeah. film. And I, I wanted to kind of hone in on the violence in this film, which is this movie's really violent and it's yeah, not violent, violent in a way that is particularly, um, and I, I don't mean this to sound weird, but fun. Like there's a theatricality to the way that John Woo's violence plays yeah. out. Whereas this is like gritty and upsetting. That, well, that's the thing I was saying. The tone is trying to be like yeah. John Woo and fucking kind of Fincher or like Freakin right, right, or something. Right. You, you, when, if you're doing that kind of big violence, like I think the midpoint chase scene is actually pretty great. Yeah, I do too. But mm-hmm. if you're not like as desensitized to movie violence as I am, and all of these civilians are just getting mowed down during the yeah. shootout, which I think is actually pretty a good th- like element to the scene. Because sure, it, sure. it, 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 I mean, it just adds a weight to shit and you mm-hmm. don't see that often, but... Like these, the realistic squibs. Yeah, yeah. Especially, and honestly, especially today. I mean, like it's a mass shooting. With, it's you gonna know, make we, people feel weird. Yeah, yeah, you're well, but even then, you're 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 hitting on something that I think that Foley just missed, which is you know I just watched The Getaway, right? That's Peck and Paul, and Hell yeah. Peck and Peckinpah has obviously. Uh, you can't get lost in the Peckinpah sauce if you're paying attention, right? If you're paying attention, it's very clear that he's not glorifying violence. For no. instance, there's a scene in The Getaway where two or three civilians get shot um, on you know, a quiet street. And he cuts away at least three times to child bystanders watching this happen in the moment and their faces yeah. and it's 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 subtle enough where you're not insulted um but it also you know it really doesn't it, it's it, it, you 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 see what he's doing very clearly it's very clear what's happening here and i think that's completely lost in this movie it ha- it's it, you fall into the Zack Snyder situation, and I know you like Zack Snyder, and I like Zack Snyder too. But you fall into the Zack Snyder situation where it's almost like ask, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission, right? Which is yeah. that's what that's what man that's what the um, that's what Man of Steel felt like to me, right? Like at the end of that film, he's like, 
This next film is going to be an apology for that. But he certainly didn't in the moment understand what he was doing with Man of Steel. He just wanted to blow as much shit up and create Uh, as much. I, I, I disagree with a lot of people's views of the ending of Man of Steel. Um, that's another discussion for another. I just think the movie is about the first day of Superman. And if you watch the end of the movie, Superman's not actually destroying anything. He's getting his ass kicked by a general who's actually a fighter. And Clark Kent's a doofy fucking farm boy who's never been in a fight in his life. And you watch it. He's lit. He, Zod's taking him by the capes, swinging him into buildings, knocking him across town. The only blows Superman lands is like when he's there above the city and he's punching him across the city. And then he takes him into space. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, uh, I, 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 think I listen. That, I mean, I've been dealing with with Man I, of Steel but, for goddamn but, ten years, so I, I, think, I know this shit. But, I'm gonna write a I, dissertation about. No, but this. Tom, I'm I, a think, fucking doctor. I, I think both of these things could be true, right? Yeah. Like, I think what you're saying can be true, while I think Snyder is also not dealing with the amount of uh, violence and destruction that's caused until the next film. But I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair tack to take for a movie. I think the bigger problem Only if is you know there's going to be a Superman. next film. But I think, which I, mean, I guess there's a you lot do, of but you can. But but the bigger problem is, is that Batman vs Superman kind of does kind of takes that task, but also is so busy trying to do the DCEU expansion shit yeah, it's, that it's a, a lot of it get. And I like Batman vs Superman, but again, that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, to to, to your original point. If you you're if you're either gonna be Sam Peckinpah or you're gonna be John Woo or Paul Verhoeven. Like you see mm-hmm. the squibs John Woo or Paul Verhoeven use you you're just like, oh, this is not real. This is fucking what are people made out of jelly donuts? No, this is nonsense. So I can just unwind and just let the mayhem unfold upon me. But if you're going Peck and Paw, like nobody's watching the Wild Bunch going, hell yeah, I wanna be in that Mexican village right, right. now, mowing people down. I wanna be in that bank. The infamous opening of the Wild Bunch. If they move, kill them. Like th- this isn't like you. You gotta you gotta have the right tone. And you know, for a lot of people, you know, even me, I like I kind of like this movie for what it's worth, mainly because of Chow Yun Fat. But yeah, things he's, are he's wrong. really good in this. I mean, he's well, I, I I really liked him in this, and and I mean, ultimately, my my issues with the film really have more to do with what you're saying in terms of tone, and and and, I, and also yeah, go ahead. I didn't really like him. You guys liked him. I liked oh, him I in this. Him. I didn't. I think he's the only one who knew the, the tone of the movie he was in. I agree with that. I guess. Because he's having but, fun. I guess. But also because uh, he's done this a hundred times before. Yeah. I mean, this is... I, I just feel like it, the, the, it's the foley Wahlberg one-two punch that really kind of derails the film, in my opinion. Like, the tone is all over the place. I also just think that, you know... Um, there's something about a white guy making this movie that just sort of also just feels very just not okay. See, I I don't, I don't even necessarily know if it's about that. It's a white guy. It's just that it's a white guy that didn't do his homework. He just took it as a job and didn't pay it with the respects. Like I got Ali on my TV now and like, nobody's mad when Michael Mann makes these things outside of his realm. Like he's making a movie and he's making a TV show in Tokyo for HBO right now. Nobody's going to get mad when that comes out. Cause you're going to be like this fucking lunatic did his homework. That's what they you might hear get mad a lot. That Angel Elgort's in it, but you know, sorry, Ken. Well, no, no, but no, that's what you hear. I mean, I think that's right. I think, I, I think there is a responsibility to do your homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, as a person who's you know not the same 
race, same ethnicity as your characters, you do have that responsibility. But mm-hmm. you kind of always should. This is this shouldn't really be a new thing. I agree. So uh, yeah, you can still make you can still make movies about anyone, Phil. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I just, I, I guess I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. I think you feel that he didn't do his homework is kind of what I'm saying. It well, feels because, like someone that's not that's not. Well, because it's past. it's well, I think the main problem is that it's so heavily Chinese, like mm-hmm. in like there's so much Chinese society and just like mm-hmm. these little things that like you. If a, like if he did his homework, or yeah, if you had a, someone from China or who grew up in Chinatown and had this background, they could have like really honed in and did all that shit. But it really just mainly feels like the movie version of like Chinese society and not like yeah. a well lived in society. But yeah. you know, I ultimately it's that also, goes back to the tone thing, right? You want to be a gritty, pul- realistic thing. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of a pulpy script when when all things are said and done and yet it's directed in a way that yeah. kind of yeah, doesn't I mean cuz it's cuz for whatever flaws uh Kenny has about The Departed, that movie at least knows to be like crank everything up to 11, keep moving, like don't go for gritty realism where this is like all right, we're going to start with Chow Yun Fat assassinating some gang members in a in a in an antique shop. shop antique shop, yeah, yeah. This is, this is then, definitely a better movie than The Departed. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm sorry. No, 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 The Departed is definitely a better movie than this. <laughs> that was an, Tom was like, wait a second. No, no, The, the Departed is definitely <laughs> better than the, than, the, than The Corrupter. Uh, the only difference is uh, The Corrupter never won Best Picture. This so is that's, true. that's my, my big difference between these two. Yeah, um, very true. I don't know if you guys knew that. It didn't the part, this picture. Of course, the Departed is fine it, as a film. It's it just should Scorsese. not have been Scorsese's win. Yeah, of course. Oh, although, I mean, it's although fine. it was his best movie that decade. That's my hot take. That's just colossally untrue. What, what, what What's better than the Departed decade? that decade? Was Gangs of New York better? The Aviator's better. No, it's not. The Aviator's his second worst movie. I don't disagree. I Ever don't. made? Thoroughly disagree yeah. with you. Only I thing worse is New York, New York. Sure. I, okay. I think I, the aviator I mean, is. He's not the right guy to, to have done it. It should have been Michael Mann or Nolan. And Leo is embarrassingly bad in that movie. I, I listen. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that the aviator is one of Scorsese's best films. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that in in a decade of. You know, I like Shutter Island. I think Hugo Yo, is interesting. You I got like, the wrong. You got the wrong decade for Hugo. He only fought. This is a bad take, Tom. This is a, this take is cheating because he only <laughs> actually, he only made three movies in this decade. Oh, what were the three movies? You said them already. It's Gangs of New York, Aviator, and okay, and and uh, the Departed. So yeah, it was. I yeah. If you want to say these the best movie of the decade, even though it's the third best. That's fine, but these aren't like these aren't like you know top tier, top shelf Scorsese. Well, the, that's the honestly his worst decade, in, in my opinion. It's his worst decade. Well, he made nothing. I mean, in sure. in the subsequent de- in the subsequent yeah. decade, he made Shutter Island, he made Hugo, he made Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. Silence, and The Irishman. So he he, it's just a bad decade of filmmaking. <laughs> But can I? Here's here's the thing about The Departed in in comparison to this film, which is kind of an unfair comparison. We're comparing James Foley to Martin Scorsese, um, but like 
The thing about The Departed is it it owns its silliness. And I, yeah. I think, Kenny, your beef with it, and it's completely fair, um, is that it kind of doesn't make any sense. Like, it's it's an illogical movie. My, like, it's just, mm, yeah. Sorry. My beef is definitely that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, my other beef is it owns its silliness when it wants to own its silliness. And it's yes. fucking serious when de- it wants to be dead serious, serious yeah. when it wants yeah. to be dead serious. And yeah. that drives me fucking up the wall. This movie, however, does not own its absurdity when it comes to its story, like in terms of its plot. And and that kind of drove me a little bit crazy. Yeah, I think it's the, I think one of the big things that fucks up the tone and like it, where it doesn't know what it's trying to do is this shit with the FBI agent. Yeah. Where it's like, it's adding yeah. this like crazy weight to like everything. I love that where, guy. Well, I love him. No, I he's mean, great. Greek, yeah. Paul Ben Victor, yeah. No, I, I hear you. The Greek, yeah. But it's just like, oh, we're coming for uh, Chow Yun Fat. And uh, yeah, oh, uh, you know, you got one of my guys killed. And uh, yeah, now we're going to go for Chow Yun Fat. But oh, no, Marky Mark, you're an IA guy. You better tell me when you're going to tell him you're undercover. I want to see his face. <laughs> it's like, right, come on, like, th- this is too much. Th- this is a fucking stupid movie. You're adding way too much, like, geopolitical weight to this fucking thing which is i, like, I agree yeah. I, can can we talk for a second about um brian cox in this and and his his do you think he remembers he's in this movie no <laughs> <laughs> here's a question kenny it's, it's interesting think... how long brian cox has looked 70 yes <laughs> do you think brian cox remembers being in this film more or less than the minus man yeah, <laughs> I think this one more because I didn't even remember he was in the minus man until you just said it, and I think we we just did that. Brian, it's it's so it's 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 so interesting to me the way Brian Cox just kind of got lost in Hollywood for about twenty years, yep. and also was willing to do anything that was presented to him. And I think he always did a great job. He does a great job in this. Um, but at, you know what? He, I think he's north of seventy five now. Finally found his signature role. That's so crazy and it's weird. Crazy. It's awesome though. He's. I mean, he's, he's so good. It's. I, I. You know, this this performance and this role or this storyline between him and Mark Wahlberg, it kind of reminded me a little bit of him in Twenty Fifth Hour. Yeah, um, me too. Which is a, a vastly superior film. Um, I love that movie and I love him in it. Are you? What are your thoughts on on Twenty Fifth Hour, Tom? I couldn't tell if you were. Oh no, I, lo- I love Twenty Fifth Hour. Yeah. No, um, there's something very sort of. Um, it feels like, to your point, Kenny, that Brian Cox for for years, decades, even seemed to play the kind of grizzled blue collar kind of Irishman thing. You know what I mean? And then, and now he is. <laughs> He is like the richest, yeah. the most like it's just interesting how it's all kind of turned on itself. Because in this, he's this down on his luck guy it's who owes right. money to people. It's so weird. And now, yeah, now put a like put a Rupert beard Murdoch. on the man. Put a beard on the man, and he's the richest man in the world. Yeah, it's, it's great. I think I, I, I think, think that's the big. I think that's that, that was the trick he needed to figure out earlier in his career. He needed a beard. You know, because he doesn't look, he doesn't really look like Brian Cox in this movie. Like, no, he doesn't. You think no. of Brian Cox, you think of him with a beard. Yeah. I mean, shit, Mel Gibson figured it out in Braveheart, slap a beard on this fucking guy, and you got a star. Some guys have not great faces and need beards. You know, the, the biggest one for me. You're talking to one. 
Tom Lorenzo. <laughs> Tom Lorenzo. <laughs> Tom Lorenzo's one. always been the big guy who needs a beard. Um, but the big one for me is all right. So Phil, remember in um fucking uh West Wing. Well, I yeah. just blew it. Remember in uh Force of Nature when we saw Toby without his beard, Richard Schiff yes. without his beard. Richard Schiff without a beard is is wrong. He's nobody. He's nothing. He's he's, he's nobody. He's he's a he's he's a schmuck on the street. He's a yeah. low uh, he's a low status zilch. You okay. throw a beard on the guy, and yep. he can run the planet. <laughs> you know, and you know who's also falls into that category a little bit. Paul Giamatti, much much more authoritative with a beard, right? Yeah. Who's yeah. who's worse with a beard aside from Michael Phelps? <laughs> who's worse with a beard? Good question. Oh boy, I don't know. You know who doesn't look great with a beard? Who rocks a beard ever when, when he's uh, losing his mind? Is Jim Carrey better without a beard? Yeah, but definitely. Better. Oh yeah, he looks like a guy that's really gonna be a bother like two in the morning in New York City. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I has has Wahlberg rocked a beard? Yeah, Perfect Storm. Uh, yeah, oh course, sure, course, yeah. Uh, um, what's it? Um, Isn't he? Yeah, he has one in the no, I think he's got a beard, doesn't he? What's this uh, fucking soldier movie with Peter Berg? Not oh, oh Lone, yes. Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Yeah. I love that movie, and yeah, I forgot the name because I'm a dummy. But yeah, Lone Survivor. Yeah. He's got one. I love. I'm looking at his his uh, Perfect Storm beard right now. So Good so Wahlberg clearly can't grow a beard, and I love that <laughs> about patchy. him. I yeah. love that yeah. he's got that patchy beard. You know, yeah. Clooney looks fucking great in a beard, too. He's got a good beard in that movie, yeah. too. Yeah. There's a lot of Clo- beards in Perfect Storm. It's mostly beards. Clooney, good-looking guy. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I, so yeah, I, fine I, without the beard, too. <laughs> you know who doesn't look good with a beard? Damon. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Watching this, these trailers for Still yeah. Warm, I'm like, this looks like an SNL sketch. Like I, they, like his, same with Last uh, last Duel. He looks fucking ridiculous. That's that a too. funny beard. I like that looking. I, I told you I liked Oh, no, no. David looks ridiculous. That's, I like that's, Affleck's you're beard. You're talking about Affleck beard. Uh, the other guy with the beard <laughs> that I that I think I like, uh, that I think uh, is not a great beard look is um who the fuck was i gonna say uh i can't remember but i'm sure it was okay. interesting i'm sure it was great <laughs> i i, I want to talk for a DiCaprio second caprio um, don't love him with a beard he doesn't look good with a beard uh although <laughs> no. revenant he didn't look terrible with that kind of weird scraggly crazy beard didn't look terrible yeah he doesn't look Marty's a good beard guy sure sure you know who's good denzel's i like with a beard denzel's got a good beard 
you know, Will Smith doesn't look great with a beard. Guy, these are goatee guys you're talking about. No, but like if you see him in Virtuosity or like Safe House when he's playing like (laughs) I haven't shaved in two years because I'm undercover or I'm in jail. He's got. Does have a beard in uh, Training Day? He's got a goat in Training Day. Got a goat. You know, actually, Kenny, the answer to your question. Oh God, he looks looks good with the. He looks good with the goatee. The person who Nobody looks better. worse with a beard, and it's usually because it's a fake beard, is Tom Cruise. Yeah, because <laughs> Tom I don't Cruise know does not have authority beard. with a beard. Can he grow Brad, a beard like that? I don't know. <laughs> Bad Brad Pitt might look better with a beard. Yes. Oh, he looks like, well. He looks great with a goat in Killing Them Softly. Sure. Uh, you want to know, man? Google Cruise with a beard. He could look real good with a beard. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, Hold on a second. Sometimes he, he really can pull it off. I kind of like the look. <laughs> Stop it. Really? <laughs> oh, you know what? You're right. Last Samurai is a good beard. Yeah. Yeah. Not I take bad, it back. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. He can. Yeah. I guess you're right. Who knew? But I, I mean, don't think I'm, he... just, I'm just pulling up this pic where he looks like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. That's full Scientological. Yeah, that's too yeah. much. That's I'm gonna eat your kidneys. I guess you're right. He is. He yeah. He's not bad with a beard. I take it back. Cruise with a beard. Who knew? Um, so I, I want to just talk for a second because I do feel like there's this underlying theme in this movie that kind of needs to be unpacked a little bit, which is I, I'm not even really entirely sure how it fits into the story, but there's this prisoner component to this movie, people being locked in basements. Um, oh, yeah, that human trafficking storyline. Human line, trafficking yeah. storyline that I'm just like, I don't really know what you're... I mean, obviously they're against it, but I'm just like, I don't fully understand <laughs> what saying. Human trafficking, not pro. <laughs> human trafficking, eh, I'm against um, <laughs> but then you've also uh, got like the sex trade, which is playing into this as well, right? You've got this weird massage sequence to Madonna's candy perfume girl. Dude, dude this is this is the kind of movie that the Asian community points to when yes. they point when, when, when they when, when they call out and say this is the, yeah. these are the roles and the kind of movies that have been made about Asian Americans. For yep. the last, you know, for every for however many years, and you know, it exists, and here it is, and and uh, it's terrible. It's a really, yeah. I it's think, a really terrible film. I think to Kenny's point, if you had an Asian guy as the Wahlberg character, it would alleviate a lot of issues because then you have the um, kind of the moral balance to the movie, where it's like sure. here's like a good Asian guy. And here's Chow Yun-Fat as the morally compromised but ultimately yeah. good Asian right. guy. And then you're surrounded by the criminals instead of just there's no morally upright Asian in the movie. And and furthermore, which like isn't necessarily a terrible thing, right? right. But you eliminate if, – if Wahlberg's character is played by an Asian guy or a Chinese guy specifically, you eliminate the stuff that is the most horrible about it, which is this – underlying thing that Asian people in America represent this forbidden exotic fruit. Like he keeps getting accused of having quote unquote yellow fever. He gets asked if he has an an Asian, if he used to have an Asian girlfriend, he gets accused of only being there because he wants to have sex with Asian women. It's the, because their women are so hot and their hands are so small. And like, it's all these things that, that otherizes Asians Asian Americans mostly in a way that like 
you know, to me, kind of overpowers anything else they're doing in this movie. Total, it's totally unnecessary. It feels like the movie's trying to like get ahead of the criticisms. Yes, and like try to like make jokes about it, and it's like, oh yeah, because you Mm -hmm. think us all as Chinese guys got tiny dicks. (laughs) It's like okay, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Then you end the movie with like, like you said, like why did they send a white guy undercover in Chinatown? (laughs) Where it's just like (laughs) it's so somebody knew this was stupid. It's amazing that it's his dying words. Like, it's one thing for someone to point so this weird. out early and be like, which you know they what? do. Gonna... They do point it out early, but yeah, it's still ridiculous to to, um, to, 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 <laughs> to have not explained over the course of the movie why you sent a white guy into Chinatown. Yeah, uh, is yeah, a big yeah. failure of the movie. And, and also, like, <laughs> again, this may be a little nitpicky. Why you sending a guy to uh, undercover who's so clearly compromised because his father's a degenerate gambler and hawk to the Italian mob. Seems like a thing you don't want your undercover agents to have yeah. in their background. But but hey, maybe can, I'm nitpicking. I don't know. Can we talk about, uh, for a quick second, Mark Wahlberg's disgusting tattoo? Did you notice his tattoo in this I, film? I, I noticed it, but I can't remember it now. But what it's was it again? It's a necklace. It's a... Oh, it's, is that oh, his real right. tattoo? I don't know if it's real or not. I don't think it's. it's I don't think it's that's. A, a real I don't tattoo. think it is. It's a necklace around his neck that goes down his stomach. It is truly repulsive. <laughs> like it it's, is a really I, bad tattoo. It was his actual it, tattoo. Seriously? Was his actual yes. Tattoo? It was his okay. actual tattoo, Ugh. and I think he's since had it removed. But yes, okay, it was is, a. It's a real that tattoo. Is, that is a hundred percent a trash boy in the 90s would have it's so awful it's a really i I thought it was a i thought it was a joke and i mean i guess this is kind of the point where i don't know maybe we kind of need to get into the whole mark Wahlberg committed a hate crime against an asian man thing yeah we should probably talk about that for a second because i'm gonna make because it's like yeah that's kind of the tattoo you'd expect the guy who commit a hate crime against an asian guy in boston to have (laughs) yeah but It's 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 kind of one of those things where it's like, I don't know, do you like judge the art, not the artist? But when it's like something this connected to the yeah. artist, it's like, yeah. fuck, how do I not talk about? No, it's, I mean, he's he's and by he, I mean, Mark Wahlberg has has really sort of tried to uh, deal with his sins in some form or another. He's become quite religious over the over the last you know, five to seven years or so, maybe longer. Forever. I mean, he was yeah. uh, not, like, it was well known. He went to church every Sunday and was very really? religious. Okay. Even I mean, you've seen you know. that schedule of his that's been posted online is like daily yeah. routine where he like yeah. wakes up at four, prays for two hours. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, and he, it's, it's like, okay. yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's I guess trying he's trying to, to atone rep- for his sins. I well, guess, but, then, yeah. but then he also did that kind of skeezy thing of trying to get the, the mm-hmm. arrest expunged from his record where it's like, I mean, dude, like, you're not yeah. going to fucking apply for work at McDonald's, and the fact that you're a felon is going to affect your life. Just, just yeah. own it. Just yeah. fucking own it. Yeah, totally. What were you say, Kenny? I, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a little compromised when it comes to Wahlberg, obviously. So I can't. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I can't do. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> I can't talk. I, 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 I don't. I don't feel I don't feel like I could talk all that like freely about it, not because I know anything else, but because like, look, I know him and I respect him. Uh, he was a good boss and a good guy in a you know weird situation. Um, yeah, well, it was fucking horrible. Obviously, it was horrible, horrible, horrible. And you know, 
having someone like that, you know, he's not in my life in any capacity now. It hasn't been for about 15 years, but having someone like that, you know, and then kind of see what, who he is in real life. It's real hard for me to, to even marry those two things in my head. Um, what can I say? It fucking sucks. He's a, he, he was a really shitty kid, like very yeah. clearly, and, a really you know, I mean, bad person. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 think, I mean, I guess it just kind of goes to the thing of like, I mean, you worked with him and I haven't heard anything like really bad about him at like as a professional. So it's like, dude, probably changed more likely than not. He matured, grew up. He became a, a real man. <laughs> And it, Which is, it just, yeah. It just, it, it, it just, it does just add a like a. Maybe you should have a little more self awareness not to like jump into projects like this with your history. But it was ninety nine. I mean, nobody was really talking about that shit. There wasn't Twitter that was going to blast him out of the water every time he did it. But he and, totally should have been. I totally agree that he should have been a little more aware when it came to a role like this. I also think, you know, he's kind of he's kind of avoided any social repercussions or career repercussions because this has always been out there and this has been dealt with to some extent or at least discussed to some extent. And he has, you know, at least acknowledged what he did and how terrible it was. Um, and he was a kid. I mean, let's also I'm not a kid kid, but like he was a is before he was in the industry. So it's like. What do we yeah. do with the guy who's matured since he made those mistakes and then entered the industry? It's like I don't know. I mean, it's it's it, these compl- these conversations it's very are not complicated. Easy. You and you want there you know, to be a certain amount of grace where you allow someone to change, you allow someone to get better. Um, and I think we have. I think actually he's an example of society allowing him to kind of move on. And I do think that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. That Wahlberg, you know, handsome white guy from Boston got the ability to, you know, kind of prove he's a better person and a lot of other people don't. So. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think I, I agree with what, what you guys are both saying that, that, you know, this is at a time in his career and, and a time as a person where he, you know, had not sort of perhaps figured out who he was and the type of person he wanted to be. And, you know, in terms of, of, uh, um, atoning for his sins and what have you. So this is just a weird Choice, I guess, is basically the best way yeah. to put it. As, the weird you know, choice. As, it's, it's and and for a, a myriad of reasons, by the way. I mean, this is we 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 all agree this is not a good movie. Um, this is just you know, it's it's just it's the other question you have to wonder too is you know, Foley does direct him in fear. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it was supposed to be Ethan Hawke who was going to play the role, and then when Ethan Hawke couldn't, you know, I imagine that Mark Wahlberg was like, listen, I worked with this this director before, I liked that experience, I want to work with him again, and perhaps that clouded his his uh, you know his perspective on whether or not the subject matter was appropriate. And honestly, just looking at that new line slate for 99, <laughs> it honestly just probably felt like this movie was kind of a yeah. forgotten sort of like... It is. Well, I we're mean, making it. doesn't exist. But just like even in the making of it, just like, yeah, we'll make it. You know, we got Chalion Fat. That should probably be enough to get people going in a, right. you know, an overestimation of America's, you know, John Woo Chalion Fat fever because... sure. I mean, the next year we do have, you know, Crouching Tiger, which comes out in 2000, um, which feels like, um, 
a little bit of a, a a little bit of a reinvention to some degree or another. It's a softer Chow Yun Fat to say the least. It's a much more sort of emotionally um, fraught but also, movie, but but also kind of back in easier territory for him. Yes, he's not you know speaking in English, trying to yeah. be an American, well, an Asian American, you know, immigrant cop yeah. dealing with all this shit. I mean, he's back in Hong Kong. It's, it's it's ostensibly a Hong Kong movie that somehow fucking exploded in the box office, and then he's well, like, then he's going back to doing too. nonsense yeah. like Bulletproof Monk. Yeah, right. it, it it also it also doesn't so much feel like a, a Chow Yun Fat movie. It feels like right. the 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 gravitas he has in America was being co opted for that film. Him and Michelle Yao both. Now, I'm not saying they were massive stars, but they were probably the biggest stars um, from Hong Kong cinema. You know, with the exception of like Jackie Chan, yeah. who uh, who could be in that movie, and that was important. I think it was important, you know, for for Ang Lee and for that film to make it essentially a a, a, a star studded film, um, because that film couldn't have skated by just just making no dent. That was a big budget, big swing, intended I mean, I watched- to be for for you know a global audience. I watched it relatively recently, and I mean that movie floors me. I mean, I, 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 it's a, it's, it's a stunning film from from credits to credits, and and watching it, and 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 I don't know, I, not to go down the whole Oscar rabbit hole, but like the idea that Gladiator beats Crouching Tiger uh, for Best Picture is is an, is an insane thing to me. But I mean, it is. what I mean, it is. that's that's essentially like a Ridley Scott kind of like good job, buddy. Like right. awards situation, I mean, right. he was. I mean, because also Ridley was kind of fucking useless since Blade Runner. Like you look at his. <laughs> I don't think that's fair, but I hear. Well, you. well, well. <laughs> uh, as as you've put it so eloquently on the podcast, I'm an iconoclast, and I'm going to say he's been sure. fucking useless since Blade <laughs> sure, Runner. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You want to I mean, corrupt well, this podcast? Film, I get it. I'm a corrupter, baby. <laughs> like you look at his filmography, Wait he's making sec. shit like Is... Legend, Black Rain. I mean, other than Thelma and Luis, where there's this one blip where everyone goes, oh, yeah, Ridley Scott's a filmmaker. Then he goes back to White white Squall. Everyone's running around town, going down to their watering hole, all pent up with energy because of White Squall. Or what about this Christopher Columbus movie with Gerard Depardieu? He's not wrong, Phil. I mean, look at this shit. I'm look looking at his filmography right now. It and, is a, and, it, it is a disaster between Blade Runner. And, <laughs> it's it's a disaster between Blade Runner and and Gladiator, with the exception of Thelma and Louise, like you said. Well, which is okay. hold, hold crazy. On. I think that we have not watched Black Rain yet for for 1989, but we might be surprised by Black Rain. But we also might I, not be. It's hard to say. I, and Legend I like is it. is. Legend for the record was a movie. It was a flop, but like from a technical, I mean, that movie is a stunning piece of filmmaking, whether or not you like the movie. Well, that's the thing that that's always with Ridley. We see it today. He makes a piece of shit like Prometheus, but you still get blinded by the production design. (laughs) I mean, that's the guy's thing. He's, I mean, I've said it to people. He's not too dissimilar from fucking like Zack Snyder. We're like, you're going to get a good looking movie, but then sometimes he doesn't get this. He doesn't understand his scripts. I'm, I'm just to be abundantly clear. I'm not saying that Ridley Scott doesn't have a hit or miss filmography. He very much does. That's not. I'm. I'm not. And by the way, this year alone, we are getting the gamut of Ridley Scott. We are getting a very overcooked, uh, overcooked medieval movie that you probably shouldn't make, 
and a a straight up like campy Gucci biopic. Like it's just, I mean, I'm yeah, great. I, I don't have a problem with Ridley Scott, but I also think that like I don't think I think The Martian's a lot better than than it got kind of you know. I love the made Martian. fun of it. I like The Martian. The whole comedy nomination for Golden Globes is unfortunately weirdly going to be one of the things it's remembered for. That is so weird. I think The Martian's great and exactly the exactly the kind of movie that I want people to see and yes. champion. Yes. Yeah, I think that listen, I think The Martian's great. I love American yeah. Gangster. I think Kingdom of Heaven director's cut is right. one of the best movies I've ever seen. I think Magic oh, really? Man's a good movie. Mastic Men's great. I mean after Gladiator, he went on a hell of a run. Quite the opposite of the run he went on after Blade Runner. And we, I That's mean, fair. we, That's Phil fair. and I both love Black Hawk Down too. Like, yes. Yes. I love is, Black Hawk Down. Yes, yeah. yes. He, no, no. He, it's interesting that after Gladiator is when he kind of took off, and I don't think anyone thinks of it that way. I certainly didn't until one second ago. But it also, yeah. it also does underline, you know, uh, belie the idea that Gladiator was a good job. Oscar Gladiator was a stupid Oscar. I, I don't know what yes, happened that yes, year. Yes. I've always thought it never made any sense to me. They already gave Braveheart the Oscar five years earlier, which is you know the same idea. Um, he didn't win Best Director that year. Soderbergh no. won for Traffic. Yeah. Um, and Traffic I and I'm with you. Picture or Crouching well, Tiger? Well, no. I mean, I think Traffic sucks too. But I think uh, <laughs> I think Crouching Tiger. Is is the movie that you know? I think I think Ang Lee's gotten robbed a, a bunch of times, but I think Crouchy Tiger is the movie that really kind of yeah matters well, I, from that year. I just don't think America was ready for a foreign language movie to win. I mean, we just they, had one last year. I mean, so I mean, and then you got Brokeback too, where it's like America. That one pisses to... me off because <laughs> yeah. like, that's my favorite Ang Lee movie. I love that fucking movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. And even in two thousand six, when I was a dopey little high school kid who you know it has to be said we in high school you use the derogatory f word sure, for gays sure, it's sure, just sure. like sure. like you're just spouting yeah. off oxygen and i was still pissed off about the about it i was like what the fuck this is the best movie of the year what are you doing Look, come on I, I, well we we haven't really talked about broke back month one sorry much but i was for whatever reason my family went to tell you ride two years to the film festival mm-hmm. and i was embarrassed to walk into that theater and with my parents and didn't want to like even be involved and walked out fucking sobbing. And I think that movie did have a, a, a much bigger impact on the culture at large than people give it credit for. Yeah. I mean, I know it had a big impact within the industry and, you know, the kind of opening this space up, but a lot of people saw it and were able to understand um homosexual relationships in a way I don't think people got before seeing that film. Different, I mean, in, in different ways. Homosexual relationships in film have always kind of been urban, mm-hmm. right? Um, urban or or these sneaky suburban stories that are kind of like uh, embarrassing. But this really opened up the world to, uh, to other, you know, to other expressions of a homosexual love story. And I was really, I, I was, look, I still think it's one of the best films ever made. I think it's maybe the it. best film of the two of the, of that decade. Yep. And obviously it should have won and everyone knew it at the time. It's, I, it's but, an amazing thing. They did. I mean, as obviously, you know, Kenny and, and, and you Tom know that, you know, blank check did an Ang Lee 
miniseries. And when yeah. you see the moves of that career, it's just, I mean, it really is an incredible, to go yes, from he's the best. Crouching Tiger to Hulk to Brokeback Mountain in three moves shows how fearless this guy is. I mean, I remember, obviously, Hulk was a big disaster in terms of its box office, what have you. And I remember reading in the trades that his next film was going to be a film about a, a gay love story about two cowboys. And I was like, this is a bad idea. Like, don't that do was, this. Well, that was a, it was, Brokeback Mountain was also a, uh, it was a novella. It was a big novella. Yes, yes. Like, and I don't mean to suggest don't do this deal. as in we shouldn't make this. I just was like, no, that seems risky. Dude, it was, it was a crazy thing at the time. Yeah, People, yeah. It was yeah, a I crazy mean, thing to have those actors play those roles and, I mean, because yep. I, I I say this shit all the time. I'd get into it with people I, I used to work with at, at the Alamo who who don't really like to remember how things used to be. Like, it's kind of crazy that only like what five six years after Brokeback comes out, gay marriage is legalized. Yep, would we it's have, not would a coincidence. Thought, yeah. would, but would we have thought yeah. a year before Brokeback came out that gay marriage was not only legalized within our lifetimes, but within a decade, less than a decade? It's crazy. No. Yeah. I mean, fucking Obama had to run as an anti-gay marriage yes. president and then yes. immediately said, surprise, suckers. And- <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's very true. It's, it, it's, really, it, it's really interesting. And, 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 uh, and yeah, go ahead. Sorry, okay. One other thing about Ang Lee, because he's kind of the opposite of this conversation uh, of James Foley with this movie in some way, in terms of a guy who does his homework. Ang Lee was, you know, not born in America. I know he went to college in America, but he wasn't born in America. And uh, some of these films, specifically, Brokeback the, is so goddamn American. <laughs> Brokeback yeah. is so American. Ice Storm is so American. Ride with the Devil is so American. Taking Woodstock, yes. like different Billy Lynn's, the different aspects of America um, that he gets so perfectly, and it's so clear. He just immerses himself in whatever world and i i just i'm blown away by the way he tra- just challenges himself every time and um, it's the thing about different. i mean it's the thing we i said earlier it's that he's he's a guy with a vision and even if you can't look at one movie to the next and be like the same guy made these two movies because like you watch ride with the devil then you watch hulk and you go what happened um but he's a guy with a vision with the devil we're, we still haven't covered it yet on 99. I'm yeah. excited to do it. I got I to gotta watch it again. I haven't watched it in a while. I thought it was good, but I might have been a little too young to kind of wrangle with its political and societal And I think its casting is a little spotty. I know that, uh, you know, there's there's people that, that questioned some of the casting. So, he, he you know. Took, he took his shot. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's what the guy does. The you guy never know if it's going to be Lady Gaga or Jewel. But I want, <laughs> my, my only thing with Aang is I want him to get out of the technical fucking yeah. hole he's found himself in with i'm gonna High do frame, frame rate, rate. Yeah. it's like no yeah. it looks it looks awful stop i'll say this i saw gemini man in high frame rate 3d uh it's not a good movie i'm just I not, I'm, not, I'm, not too, I'm not writing yeah. for it but there's some technical stuff in there that's just pretty fucking breathtaking i think the action sequences benefit from not being in high frame rate because there are so many butts in the action sequences where i'm just like yeah, this is clearly like not happening <laughs> on the you. set. Yeah. It's it just, it's, it's my thing with high frame rate is you don't have to do it. Nolan figured out the trick. It's IMAX cameras, bigger, clearer, like you yeah. want the, it to be, but it still looks like film. It's not like you're hanging out at a Best Buy all day. I don't know. That's just me. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, do we want to rate this movie? I don't know. Do Kenny? we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
so I um I watched this yesterday. I didn't like it very much. Um, but I also was like, I couldn't decide if it was. I mean, I was kind of bored. I, I wouldn't recommend this film necessarily, but I was kind of like, is this like below fifty or above fifty? I kind of was on the fence about it. I kind of was in the sort of low 50s. This conversation has dropped it down. I'm, I'm, I'm in sort of the low 40s now. I think I'm at like a 42. I don't, I, I just, it's, it's like there's, there is some competence there. It's not like a fucking total turd of a movie. Um, you know what I mean? There is some, I, I actually do like some of the cinematography in it. I think some of it looks actually kind of cool at times. Um, as we mentioned, Chow Yun-Fat's really good in it. I would say, by and large, most of the Asian actors, like the, the, the Asian component of this film is actually, is is not necessarily the problem, the representation of it. It's not the performances that are necessarily the issue. Um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm at like a 42. Where are you at, Kenny? I'm a little lower. Um, I mean, what I said was this is an ugly looking, too loud, too reliant on gunplay movie. Sure, sure. I thought it was the worst Fair. of the 80s and the worst of the 90s. It just, it, 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 it just took the stuff from 80s action and 90s action that I don't like and didn't have any of the stuff I do like. Um, look, I had it at 25 before this. I'm not going to really go up or down. Uh, I don't think this conversation made me like it anymore, but I certainly right. don't like it any less. Sure, I'm going to stick it at 25. Is what it is. You know, it's funny you talk about the 80s, 90s thing. Well, I I forgot to say, but watching this movie, it felt like the precursor to those fucking Steven Seagal acts with the rapper movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I don't know why Exit the way wounds. some of the yeah, but like some of the shots, yeah. some yeah, of the shots, did. the way they shoot like the coverage yeah. of the city with rap yeah. music. I'm like. Why yeah. rap music? That this yeah. is the Asian, this is the Hong Kong Chinese community. Why are you fucking playing? Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's there's a lot this, of like fisheye wide angle lens stuff too. Like yeah, like he fucking wants belly or some shit. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it, it feels like. It's the like he misrepresented the the crime world he was dealing with. It's like no, you're not dealing with black gangs. This is Asians. You do know Chow Yun Fat is Asian, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, just an, a funny thing I noticed: uh, the the older boss there that is gets assassinated to like in this complicated. We're using the young guys to take over the mob thing. Yeah, his name, his character's name is Uncle Benny. That guy was in Lethal Weapon Four the year before, playing a, a triad really? gang member named Uncle Benny. <laughs> 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 what a fucking uh, hole to find great. yourself in in America. I'm only playing I'm only playing triad gangsters named Uncle Benny from here forth. Oh, that's fantastic. Which kind of again goes to to the thing of Hollywood fucks up Asian representation. You keep naming this one guy Uncle Benny. Not the best look. Then he just shoots himself in the head. Got to get his yeah, That's pretty it's, baller. It's, yeah, that pretty I like. Baller. It's pretty baller. Yeah. You're not going to kill me. Fuck so, you. <laughs> just shoots himself. What is your what's your rating on this, Tom? Uh, my rating did go down a little bit, but my uh, level for a recommendation, I I go a little higher than you guys. I go sixty five or above is my recommendation line. I okay, grade okay. like a like papers, like I said. Yeah, okay, fair um, enough, fair enough. Um, I was beforehand like, this is good. Chow Yun Fat's great. I like the some of the action, like that chase scene in the middle is actually yeah. really great. Um, I also really like the murky mor- uh, morality of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't really, I kind of like it's making this point of like, 
Chow Yun Fat's the more honorable honorable guy because he's upfront with who he is, and Mark Wahlberg's sure. kind of the fink mm-hmm. who's like pretending to be a good guy. Yeah. Um, also, kind of po- like making the point of like most cop policing is just politics and just trying to rise up in the ranks. That's all Marky Mark's trying to do. He's trying to get promoted. Sure, sure. It's a good scene with his dad when he talks about that sort of duplicity so, and that yeah. duality. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of like that murkiness to it, which a lot of cop movies don't really get into. Uh, but yeah, this conversation knocked it down for me. So I'm going to go just to the recommendation line of 65. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'd say if you like Chow Yun-Fat, if you like uh-huh. semi-competent like pulp crime movies, this is not the worst one you could watch. <laughs> should put that on the poster. <laughs> semi-competent. <laughs> This is not uh, the be- worst one you could watch. <laughs> this is not the worst one you could watch. No. <laughs> Incredible. Well, uh, Tom, always a pleasure having you here. Um, I, I look forward to their. Wait, their before still- we go, before we go, yeah, we have yeah. to play a game. Oh, yes. So. You have to play. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. My apologies. Yes. All right. As, you, as our listeners know, Tom hosts the You're Missing Out podcast with yes. Mike. Natale. Uh, and uh, wait, should I should. I looked it up and then I lost. Oh, I got it. Okay. And uh, Phil and I are both going on for the second season after their very successful first season, that and which yielded a really great video. You should watch has some really mm-hmm. good audio, yeah, um, a really good audio bite from one of their guests. The dulcet tones of Kenny Nybart. That's right. I sound so I sound so smart in that. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and uh, and we're both going on. So Phil already mentioned he's going on for all about Eve, and I right. wanted Phil to guess what I'm going on for. So Phil, uh, I'm going to go ahead and. I'm going to okay. read them off to you. The, oh, please. Okay, great, great. The films that entered into the National Film Registry in, yeah. uh, in 1990, the second year. So it was Phil's Choice, All About Eve, All Quiet on the Western Front, bringing a baby, Dodsworth. You all tell me about Dodsworth, Tom. Mm-hmm. Duck Soup, Fantasia, The Freshman, The Godfather, The Great Train Robbery, Harlan County, USA, How Green Was My Valley, it's a Wonderful Life, Killer of Sheep, Love Me Tonight, Meshes of the Afternoon, Ninochka, Primary, Raging Bull, Rebel Without a Cause, Red River, The River, Sullivan's Travels, Top Hat, Treasure Sierra Madre, and A Woman Under the Influence. Phil, what movie do you think I'm doing? And Tom, before the episode told Phil that you would make a lot of money if you had bet on Kenny doing this, this film. Is- Okay, so like my gut is going in sort of the what is the most sort of the the least Kenny movie on this list, and I I, I mean I, I chose this movie okay because it's a Kenny movie. Oh, Tom may just not real may, may may not have realized. No, okay, so it's, this is, I'll say it's a Kenny yeah. movie. That on its face, you don't think is a Kenny movie. Well, okay. So here's the thing. As our listeners know, Kenny contains multitudes. Okay. And, and, oh. and by that, I mean that, that Kenny can love, uh, Kenny does love wrestling and, and Kenny loves, loves Bob Fosse. These, are, these are two things that he loves dearly and they're very different things. Um, two of the pillars of guess, my personality. <laughs> sure. I'm going to guess Top Hat. Wow, Phil. Boom. Got it. Out of 25 choices, I guess 24 minus yours. That's amazing. I went amazing. dancing. I went dancing. As I said to Mike Natale, I'm a dance writer. I write on Step Up. And if anybody is uh, is, is 
experienced in the world of dance, it's me. So I thought it was appropriate for me to, to break down the dance. And meanwhile, I'm also like hounding Clay Keller to let me on his dance movie uh, draft for, It'll for right. It'll happen. Yeah, apparently I'm uh, on the list. Uh, apparently I'm on the list. I would, but I would I would love to end up on that show because oh boy, putting me in a room arguing about movies with other people is always ha, a good idea. Have you listened to that show? I love it. Yeah, I'm not caught up. I listen to everything. Right. But I just you and Mike should go up. on. You should. Well, pick I wonder. A- I wonder what you guys would do. Was going to be my question. Have you thought about it? Yeah. I can't believe you got top uh, no. hat. I'm so impressed. No, I haven't really thought of it. I'm sure fucking Mike's thought about it. Um, but I think all the Disney shit's been covered by now. Um, because he's a Disney boy. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm open to shit, man. I, I'm open to just being like, yeah, let's do this. I'll do my homework and I'll argue. Put me in a room with uh, any of these guys and it'll be an argument yeah. for the ages. We should find yeah, one of your enemies. I'm sure we can. Oh my god, it'd be great. You and like Carrie Corrigan just going on and and yelling at each other. <laughs> hey, throw, I'm I'm ready to throw down. Yeah, oh, haven't been something. blocked by anyone since our last recording. So well, that's there you good. go. That's well, something. That's progress. Still, I've yeah, only been punched still in the young. face in person. Yeah, the day's still young. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait to hear your episode on Top Hat, Kenny. Yeah, uh, likewise, yours and all about Eve. Um, and, and uh, I, yeah. and I know you, I know Emily is going, Emily Vanderwerf is going on for It's a Wonderful Life. Have you done yes. that yet? No, she's, uh, uh, you know, busy and she's got a surgery coming up, so she doesn't right. want to overload too much. So it's going to be a September, October, sort of whatever, when we figure all that out, but all right. fall all right. 2021. That's, that's great because she is, uh, the best, I think, like obsessed with that movie. I believe yeah, she it's loves like that movie. her like yeah. second favorite I, movie. So it's like her I'm North very, Star. Yeah. I, I'm really looking I fucking, forward to I it. I love that movie. I love that movie. Oh, Every movie. time I, I cry. I actually had never seen that film until two Christmases ago. I was home in Toronto and it was playing at a rep theater and I went to see oh, it. Oh, um, that's cool. And it was, it was obviously, it was great to see it on the big screen. Um, that movie's kind of crazy great movie but like yeah kind of crazy you don't you don't realize how dark it is and <laughs> just, you always dark. forget how dark and hard it goes and then you're like oh shit this movie's fucking got and some then it's got like it's like serious magic realism going on like you're just like it starts in the stars talking to each other oh, it's a yeah. weird movie but then it's, it's also like then it's also like two hours until clarence shows up yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. It doesn't. Uh, I, I, it does for whatever reason. You're right, obviously, but it doesn't feel like magic realism. It feels right. Appropriate. It feels appropriate for the time and totally. the Christmas setting. I can't, and- I can't wait to talk about that movie. That movie mm-hmm. is a movie that I I describe. I call the um, movies that shouldn't work. It's like the best movie that yes. shouldn't work because you describe it totally. like you say, "Oh, the stars are talking." There's this little doughy guy. It's an angel. You spend two hours in this like gritty neorealistic just mm-hmm. misery yeah. fest about how capitalism sucks. Then you're and in a hellscape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, I was, so I don't know if you guys watched the Netflix series, the movies that made us. Have you watched these by any chance? Haven't gotten I know, to it. No, no, I know the series, but there's only like six episodes and it's basically just, you know, big movies from our childhood, um, you know, from the eighties and nineties and what have you. And, uh, they just released their second season. It's uh, back to the future, uh, pretty woman, Jurassic Park and Forrest Gump are the four movies that they cover. Um, Never heard of them. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I, I bring this up because I feel like Back to the Future is another one that shouldn't work. Like that's a movie oh, yeah. that that shouldn't work, and yet it, I it think only it works because it because it, it, it only works because it has a perfect script. 
I mean, that's <laughs> no, like that script yeah, is yeah. like literally like should be taught in f- fucking film schools. Just like yeah. literally, just everything perfectly placed, mm-hmm. paid off later. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect film, and we we talked with Emily uh, on our Patreon about uh, about Back to the Future Part that's Two. That's right. Recently. Yes, I saw the um, schedule. Yeah, that's yeah. That so be that's uh, and that'll be going up in a week or so. Um, but yeah, it, it's th- that series is fascinating. Uh, but Back to the Future is one of those movies uh, that goes on the list of of this should it's absolutely work. not work. So well, many mom who wants to fuck her son. Yeah, yes. I mean, yeah. You, so many great movies fall into the it shouldn't yes. work. You yes. know, so yes, well, and even movies story. that like that. I mean, I don't know that th- Tom's thoughts on this, but I don't imagine you're a big Forrest Gump fan. Uh, I mean, I don't love it, but it's very watchable. Right. I just don't I, I feel similarly. I, exactly I, where I, I yeah. sit. <laughs> but but it's that's another what a movie surprise that also feels like. And watching last night, I would just watch the episode about it, and it's one of those films that like, you know. Decades of development, a script in a box, people fighting for it, fighting for it, finally gets made. But then, like, you know, Zemeckis and Hanks both have to basically uh, punt all of their upfront money into the back end. And it's just one of those movies that's like, it's a weird movie to go all in on and could have easily gone the other way and it would have been a disaster. Um, But instead, it's a beloved movie. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. I I love doing this podcast with us. I always corrupt um, this podcast. That's what I do. <laughs> and uh, I look love forward to, to finding another action movie. There are still uh, a few left. Well, to listen, I'm, I'm always here to talk about action movies, but I'm the horror movie guy. You got to get me on for horror stuff. Well, this is actually, I want to ask you this, Kenny, because I know Kenny's been trying to get me to watch more horror movies uh, to quote unquote, be brave. Like Rollin says, and watch more <laughs> <Be> horror movies. <brave. laughs> watch more horror movies. Um, there are some deep cut, horror films in 99 i was doing a little bit of digging some sequels and what have you Candyman 3 i believe was a 99 film oh um, really yeah um i have not seen any of the Candyman films i don't know yeah, your it was you're right thoughts on the I, Candyman films well i've only seen the first one i hear the okay. second one's actually pretty good bill condon directed it yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, wow. no, that was one of his early that's, movies. So I'm, I, I have it. I'm going to watch it before the new one comes out. But right. the first Candyman, depending on my mood, it's either the first or second best horror movie of the 90s. Wow. Okay. It's yeah, I, think, I, think, I think Candyman's fantastic, too. What's your, what, what's, what's your other one? Scream. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yes, of, of course, yeah. of course, Scream, yes, but uh, but Scream almost isn't a horror movie to me. Like, no, it, I know what like, you mean. It, I mean, it is, of course, but yeah, in terms of just like you know the pure shit, uh, Candyman is yeah. pretty fantastic. And Candyman is just so iconic, and Tony Todd is unbelievable. I think you'd actually love Candyman because it's not like. Saturday matinee fucking just teens getting slashed to death kind of shit, which I love, but uh, the new one looks a, really scary. The trailer's pretty fucking intense. I'm interested. I mean, because it's a sequel to the first one. Mm-hmm. I think they're not acknowledging yeah. two or three. So it's going to be like a set, like a sequel to the first one, which I'm intrigued by. Yeah. Uh, I really want to see it. Well, I can't wait. We, could, we can talk Candyman three, uh, and there's and there's others. So you know, listen. You should do some digging. See if there's some horror films you want to cover. I'm I'm, well, I'm open to doing it. Uh, well, 
Candyman three, I'm down to do. I'll wa- I'm going to watch all three of them before the new one. So yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm down to do. And also for your podcast, like it's 1989. There's the three big slashers. Oh, we're doing it. Oh, we're do- if, yeah. Kenny if wants we get to, to th- if we get the 300 patrons, we're doing it. Kenny wants you and Mike to come on and talk about those three slasher films: Halloween Five, Nightmare Five, Jason Takes Manhattan. Guys, who doesn't want to watch those three movies and talk about them? Oh, the man. glorious cinematic treasure that is Jason in Vancouver, not Manhattan. Jason, Jason Takes Manhattan, I've seen and I love. Uh, the other ones I haven't, so I would, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd get real into it. Halloween five is interesting to talk about because of how nonsense the production is. And I don't know. I don't like, Nightmare I, I'm, five. I've definitely got to a place, Kenny, I think you'll be happy to hear where it's like, I'll, I'll put on a horror film in the afternoon with my blinds open. Um, and I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, for- well, also we need to tell you, these movies are not scary. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna have any issues with these fucking movies. <laughs> I agree. I well, well, I mean, what does scare you, Phil? I feel like you've watched scarier movies than than slashers. Slashers wouldn't scare you. I think that Halloween's part of it, might, but for the most part, but not I think part fights. of it is. Part of it's psychosomatic, right? Part of it is the fact that, like, I didn't watch them as a kid. They scared me as a kid. Um, so I just didn't watch them. Slasher films, to your point, Kenny, I don't think slasher films actually would scare me. So, I, I, listen, if you put me in a movie theater and you're doing the jump scares, like, I'm going to be anxious. That's a different animal than watching it on my TV screen at home. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what to say other than the fact that, like, I don't watch them because I've convinced myself that I can't watch them. And maybe that's just not a good and, reason. I mean, it you is know, that's that's why I kind of I like I was the same. I was a, when I was a kid, I was terrified of horror movies. My older brother forced them on me, and I it fucked me up. But like at a certain point, when I was like thirteen or fourteen, I was like, I gotta get over this shit. Like I love movies, I gotta get over this. So I just kind of like forced myself to do it because you, like you hear story like I mean, you're an example, but you hear stories all the time of people that don't watch these things when they're kids, and then they right. just can't do it when they're older because like they right. just that's didn't right like name. yeah. They didn't prep themselves for it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't, if I ever have kids, because, I'm going to die alone, but like, that's another story. <laughs> if I have kids, I want to like kind of prep them. Maybe not as hardcore as I was as a kid, but yeah. like kind of like ease them in. Like, here's the monster squad. Here's right. uh, when they're 12. Like, I think that's what Fear Kenny's Street. doing. Oh, 12. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's so kid dependent. You know, yeah, like it is it's, 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 too. it's weird how I, I, cause I, you know, I obviously had plans and the plans, you know, go kaput as soon as you yeah. meet the kids. Yeah. But my, uh, yeah, Rollins <laughs> has been down to watch scary shit forever. And now he just wants to push it and push it and push it. Right. And Layla, my daughter won't watch anything, you know, scarier than PG. And I can already tell Cole, the four-year-old, he's scared by, you know, certain cartoons. So it's, yeah, it's very kid dependent, but I agree with you. I mean, I, I really do think that horror movies serve a dual purpose of being great sure. entertainment and, and also being like, you know, a way to confront your fears and sure. desensitize yourself to a lot of that. I think it's very helpful. So, um, well, I, I, yeah. uh, I think if if you're down for it, Kenny, maybe we do Candyman three to try to get it out before uh, before the Candyman movie comes out at the end you of gotta August. Watch, I got to watch one and two again then, but I will. Yeah, but we got time. We got a we got a month. But uh, yes, but Candyman three is great. All right, we'll yeah, it. let's All do right. it. All right, gentlemen. All right, adios. Later, Tom.
One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Jan Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.